0: This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by HelloFresh. Kanye West is many things best selling award winning musical artist, fashionista, former Kardashian, die hard Trump supporter, failed presidential candidate, visionary, genius. Mm-hmm. And those last two are maybe up for debate. But uh, there's no denying that Kanye West is a modern day Renaissance man with his finger in many pies. So it has been a bit odd that a guy who's made more money off shoes than music and whose shoes start off pricey and get significantly pricier on the secondhand market would remain so silent on what's essentially the new digital
1: equivalent of limited edition sneakers, which is NFTs.
0: And I'm not even going to bother apologizing for it
1: this time. This is especially odd when you look back at this chart from 2016 that outlined Kanye's very ambitious goals for something that he called the Donda Communications Company. Uh, At the time, Kanye seemed really interested in being essentially the next Steve Jobs, and for a while was publicly and unsuccessfully begging tech founders to give him billions of dollars to invest in his ideas, which included stuff like holograms, alternative energy, HIV research, and something called seven screen movie experience, among many other ventures. He did get a hologram, though.
0: Yeah, of, um, uh, his wife, his ex-wife's father.
1: That's true. Um, but it should have been like a pretty clear sign that if like the tech industry is like, I, I don't know, this doesn't seem like a good investment. That uh, maybe he uh, did have his head in the clouds on a lot of things. Well, he quit the he quit begging Zuckerberg for
0: a billion dollars on Twitter and just got really really into Trump. Yeah. So if they had given him the money he
1: asked for, he would have never done the whole MAGA thing. There you go. (laughs) That Could have solved a lot of problems. Yeah. And we'll get to Zucker later in the episode. There's news about him. Uh, So you'd think that NFTs, though, would be just perfect for Kanye. I mean, they're they're at the forefront of tech right now. That would be something that Kanye would want to get in on. Uh, But it turns out when it comes to NFTs, Kanye's stance is actually no fucking thanks. Yeah, so here's what Kanye posted to Instagram this week. A photo of a
0: handwritten message saying... My focus is on building real products in the real world. Real food, real clothes, real shelter. Do not ask me to do a fucking NFT. Yay. Ask me later. <laughs> <laughs> He's not interested in it yet. And uh, yeah, attached to the image was the message. Stop asking me to do NFTs. I'm not finna co-sign. For now, I'm not on that wave. I make music and products in the real world. Damn, heartbreaking. The weirdest person you know just made a great point. Yeah. This is not what I would have expected.
1: It could have been like, you know, a lot of NFTs are very lo-fi, but like uh, a very lazy lo-fi design uh, could have gone for millions, tens of millions of dollars. Because a Yeezy
0: collection of NFTs would have done gangbusters. He would have made a fuckload of money. But he's a billionaire now, and uh, I guess he's got principles about uh, how he uh, he markets himself. Look at the
1: shoes. The shoes are not great designs. No. I'm sorry. They're very popular, and people do love them, but I look at it, and I, and I still can't get over how bad they look.
0: Yeah. Especially the ones that... The are, early ones that looked like a Xenomorph foot,
1: uh, those ones, especially hideous. Like, foam. The, uh, the, the foam, like, slippers and sandals are, like... They're, they're crazy.
0: Yeah, the newer ones just sort of look like limited edition Adidas. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the early ones. Like, what the fuck is this shit? Who's yeah. going to wear this? Apparently a lot of people. And they'll pay, pay handsomely for it. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Anyways, let's not pretend that Kanye West isn't hugely influential. He's certainly more influential for your average consumer than pretty much any celebrity that's currently pushing NFTs. Up to and including your Jimmy Fallon's, your Paris Hilton's, and your Gwyneth Paltrow's. Kanye West has 10.6 million Instagram followers, and this individual post saying no fucking thanks to NFTs has received over 1.8 million likes. Now, those aren't huge numbers in the grand scheme of things, but here's the thing about NFTs. Barely anyone actually owns NFTs. Even now, a full year into them being pushed as some sort of inevitable next step of the Internet, it's impossible to have exact numbers, but... Here's a report from last month from The Independent that cites data from blockchain uh, analysis platform Chain Analysis showing that despite their status as the next big thing, NFTs absolutely have not caught on in any significant way. I'm shocked. Ownership of non-fungible
0: tokens, NFTs, is concentrated to just a few hundred thousand people, new data has revealed, despite massive media attention over the last year. Figures from blockchain analysis platform Chainalysis show that between February and November last year, the 2.7 million NFTs in existence were owned by just 360,000 people. This compares to the roughly 300 million people that use cryptocurrency. Less than 10% of those owners hold 80% of the value of the market, meaning it is dominated by so-called whales and mainstream adoption remains a long way off. Quote, Can we start 2022 by facing the fact that NFTs, which in 2021 attracted copious media coverage and buy-in from top investors and brands, reportedly has less than 400,000 actual owners, less than 40,000 of whom own 80% of all NFTs value, author and virtual reality commentator Wagner James Awe said. Quote, that's a niche of a niche of a niche. In a blog post detailing the discrepancy between the media attention they receive and their actual popularity, James Out noted that more people own virtual items in the online game Second Life, roughly 500,000, than the number of people who own NFTs. Quote, Second Life hasn't been hot in the tech world since 2008, but its virtual economy is still larger than the supposedly hot NFT market, he wrote. And that's setting aside the report that less than 10% of those NFT owners, i.e. under 36,000 people, dominate that economy. This should be the kind of figure that makes people in tech who are excited about
1: NFTs deeply question their assumptions. And to put this uh, further into context, 200 follower Twitter uh, user at SpacedGod tweeted about this saying, only 400,000 wallets have ever interacted with an NFT and far less actually own an NFT right now. The FOMO they're creating to try and scam you out of your money and the talk about how everyone uses slash is about to use NFTs is all an objective lie. It's all astroturfing. And that tweet was followed up with a screenshot of the tweet's uh, analytics showing that more people had seen that tweet than the total number of people who own NFTs. It's a small club and barely anyone wants to actually be in it. Mm -hmm. Yet nearly every day, some celebrity or tech company makes the news about their involvement in something related to NFTs. And it's framed as the inevitable future that is heading our way. This is another thing that is so frustrating about this. Uh, Anytime you fucking mention NFTs, not even crypto anymore. Yeah. Anytime you mention NFTs, you are bombarded by people astroturfing in support of them. We have it in our comments. There's, they're definitely down below. Yep. We have to be proactive about uh, deleting uh, comments that are using our logos as spam to try to trick people. If you see anything, uh, us promoting an NFT, it, it's not real. Obviously, yeah. and, but you go on Twitter and it's like someone says one thing critical of NFTs. Oh yeah, and you you have this perception that you must be wrong for thinking this this is stupid yeah, because all these every reply just showed up. is talking about how you're dumb for not believing in it and how it absolutely is the future. It's it's astroturfing on a scale that puts even like the election years uh, to shame. Yeah,
0: I, I mean it's kind of similar to the 2020 election when Republicans were like. There's way more of us yelling about uh, Donald Trump on Twitter
1: 24/7 so yes. obviously we're gonna win and it's like no, you're just louder. The term <laughs> the term gaslighting gets thrown out thrown out way too often these days and inaccurately 90% yeah. of the time. but there is an element of that to constantly being bombarded by uh, like ultra positivity regarding things that you know to be scams. yeah and it's really aggravating. It really is
0: it is. Yeah. And it's because... And YouTube isn't doing shit about those comments, by the no, way. But yeah. luckily, uh, Linus Tech Tips posted a video this week where he talks about this this script that some guy made that's mm-hmm. actually way better at uh, moderating YouTube comment sections than anything YouTube has in its own back end. There you go. So uh, I might have to mess around with that. It's, it seems a little... It doesn't seem that hard to use, but it, it does look sort of like a command line, which is yeah. kind of scary.
1: Well, then but, for your like average person, if whatever reason you're like, oh, I want to buy an NFT... We talked about it before, but like it's deceptively expensive in the sense that you're like looking at maybe a piece of art on OpenSea and you're like, "Whoa, well, one hundred and fifty dollars. And I actually I like the art. Yeah. So maybe I will dabble in the NFT space. I'm like, Wait, and hold on. Like, I'll <laughs> deposit one hundred and fifty dollars into my MetaMask. Where'd my money go? And it's like, oh, uh, well, you can't do this purchase because the gas fees are tw- twice as much yeah. as the purchase or even twenty five dollars more. So I have to do another transaction. It's like. By that time, you just give up.
0: And also just all the steps involved. Like, they've made it, stuff like MetaMask and OpenSea has made it much easier than it would be otherwise, but it's still way
1: more steps than your average person has any interest in taking. Not to mention OpenSea completely relies on Web 2.0 functionality to operate a futuristic Web 3.0 marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Anyway, (laughs) and, and look, sure,
0: you could say a lot of the same things that we're saying about NFTs about, like early tech stuff, like uh, the the internet in the early 90s. Yeah. Like, oh, barely anyone's using it. This is never going to get big. But it's not the same. It's not the same thing. There are a lot of big differences here. Uh, a big one is that large swaths of the population weren't knowledgeable about the internet at the time and actively hostile to the internet. People just didn't know what it fucking was. Mm-hmm. People know what NFTs are, and they don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Most people, like the in the general population, most people still don't even know what an NFT is, which is bad news for those people. Mm -hmm. It's like 60% of the population. You tell them about NFTs, they're like... I wish you wouldn't have said anything to me at all. Yeah, (laughs) but among the less than half of the population that does know what they are, the sentiment feels pretty damn negative overall. People see the uh, free and open internet being commodified and fenced off, and they understand that what's being pitched to them will serve mostly to make rich tech bros even richer and little else. Yeah, Uh, The fact that even among crypto holders barely anyone owns NFTs, is particularly striking. That's actually more surprising than the very small number of people holding NFTs. The fact that barely anyone that holds crypto is even interested in this shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, try as they might to get people interested in NFTs, what we've mostly seen from the public has been swift, swift backlash. Discord simply alluded to NFT integration and got bullied so ruthlessly that they immediately suspended their plans. The developers of the new Stalker game similarly got yelled at by their own loyal consumer base so badly that they immediately withdrew their NFT plans from that game. Uh, A more recent example of this was voice actor Troy Baker announcing a partnership with a company that makes voice NFTs. He got yelled at by his fans and then stepped away from it. This keeps (laughs) happening. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, untech savvy celebrity? Yeah. Um, I I do want to point out, if you're an artist and you're making money off this, Good for you, but it also—if you're a person who already has a following, doing voice acting yeah. or acting or a, a sports star or anything that has no business trying to make a living off of this—it makes you look not great. Yeah, you're just
0: diversifying your investments.
1: Yeah, artists who typically maybe hadn't gotten paid for their work—great,
0: good—I'm so happy. But even for you. among that, like most of the art on these on OpenSea and stuff is just this generative bullshit. Uh, yes. It's 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 increasingly rare to see actual like artwork being well, sold as NFTs
1: that gets overlooked because uh, it doesn't have the multiple variations that make right. things uh, deceptively rare. Yeah. People don't want to buy art. They want to buy trading cards. Yes, that's that's abundantly clear now. Anyways, in
0: the category of uh, gaming companies dipping their toes into NFTs and immediately getting so much flack for it that they reverse course, uh, indie game developer Team17, the maker of the Worms franchise, uh, among many others, uh, they got yelled at by not only their fans, but also by multiple developers who published their games through Team17. Uh, On January 31st, Team17 announced MetaWorms and... Immediately, the developers of Overcooked released a statement criticizing the decision and vowing never to integrate NFTs into their own games. Oh,
1: damn, I wanted an NFT
0: tomato. And then Platonic, the developers of Ukulele, issued a similar statement. And then Agrocrab, developers of Going Under, released a statement that went even further, saying that they will no longer be working with Team 17 <laughs> on any future titles. Wow. And uh, yeah, less than 24 hours after announcing Metaworms, Team 17 announced the end of the MetaWorms NFT project. Bullying works.
1: Um, it, it it came out like two weeks ago, but if you want a great article, I think it was New York Times, it might have been one of the other big publishers, did a, a whole article about how crypto bros and NFTs have hit a wall, and it's gamers. Yeah, yeah. And it is literally an article about how gamers are unintentionally the one thing stopping NFTs yeah. from consuming the entire digital space. And, and in the article it specifically references uh, the horse armor from Skyrim from yeah. like 10
0: years ago as like this tipping point yep. where gamers were like, no, wait, fuck this
1: shit. Yep. It no. is, <laughs> but it's so great because in, you know, 90% of gamers uh they're not they're not even aware of this until it's like wait what the fuck are they doing no that's stupid yeah and that's the <laughs> that's the reaction where you're not where you're like haven't been poisoned by of yeah. w- people tweeting at you or commenting on a reddit thread where they're telling you how great this is yeah um but yeah it's a great article that like it's just like the unintentional heroes of uh that are stopping an, an inevitable takeover yeah it's it's lovely but it's not just gamers and game developers who at this point clearly have a knee-jerk negative reaction to any discussion of bringing NFTs into their hobby. This week, musicians had their anti-NFT moment when out of nowhere, a new NFT platform called Hit Piece popped up, offering to sell unique one-of-one NFTs for every song ever recorded. But apparently, there was no involvement whatsoever or permission whatsoever from most of the artists whose song they're sell- songs they're selling. Across social media, various artists posted flabbergasted screenshots of their own music up for auction on a hit piece, along with disclaimers that they were in no way involved in any of this. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? What are you going to do about it? Like, I guess nothing. I guess complain online. Yeah. Uh, Brilliant on the parts of hit piece if they don't go to jail for fucking ever. Oh, they'll be fine.
0: (laughs) Here's Mashable with more. Musicians have taken to Twitter today to complain about a website that is ostensibly selling their music as NFTs without permission. HitPiece claims to sell one-of-one NFTs, meaning each one is singular and unique, as opposed to the endless iterations of ugly monkeys we are now subjected to. Each HitPiece NFT is a one-of-one NFT for each unique song recording, said the HitPiece website. Members build their hit list (laughs) of their favorite songs, get on leaderboards, and receive in real-life values such as access and experiences with artists. There's just one little snag with this plan. According to many of the artists whose songs are being offered as NFTs, Hitpiece doesn't actually have any authority to do any of this. Quote, This site, Hitpiece, is selling NFTs of our band and many others without permission, tweeted rock band Eve6. If you're in a band, click the link. You may be on here. Cease and desist, motherfuckers. NFTs are fraud. We're looking into what we can do to get it taken down, posted hip-hop group Clipping. Fuck this scam shit. Eve6, one
1: of the best Twitter accounts,
0: yeah, he, uh, he's turned out to be a pretty good follow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Also, Clipping, fucking awesome. So good. Oh, I have two of two their albums on vinyl. Okay. So it's great to see that they... It sucks to see them on this, but it's great to see them stand up to it. Yeah. Um, it continues, It'll be interesting to see how Hit Piece planned on backing up its promises of real-life value, considering it has no affiliation with many of the artists involved. In fact, a deluge of music, uh, musicians such as Ted Leo and Left at London have been angrily blasting Hit Piece, demanding it remove their listings. Other high-profile artists on Hit Piece include phenomenally popular K-pop boy group BTS. Uh-oh. They got some lawyers in uh,
0: there. <laughs> You've kicked a real hornet's nest. Yeah. they have got an <laughs>
1: army. <laughs> you, you, I would not like to be at Hit Piece after this uh, it gets out to the K-pop <laughs> stands. <laughs> uh, also, the recently freed Britney Spears. She's got an army too. Yeah, and famous NFT hater Brian Eno. Hippies' standard response to artists thus far has been to request that they send a DM so it can explain how this is actually all fine and definitely not a scam. However, Hippies' website began to display a 404 error before seemingly being completely taken down for a period of time. The website's online status remained unstable at a time of, at time of writing. Um, yeah, no shit. What did you think was gonna happen? Way to do this in the most like egregious and publicly known way. Hey, you're gonna love this. We're selling. Your music. Yeah. Remember Hit Clips? It was like a little thing. It was like pre-MP3 player. Yeah. It's like that, except oh. they cost thousands of dollars, and we have no permission to yeah. do this. we're just doing it. Yeah.
0: Move fast and break things. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Hippies ended up posting a statement saying... Clearly, we have struck a nerve and are very eager to create the ideal experience for music fans. To be clear, artists get paid when digital goods are sold on HitPiece. Like all beta products, we are continuing to listen to all user feedback and are committed to evolving the product to fit the needs of the artists, labels, and fans alike. So, basically, I guess their plan was to just sell NFTs of people's music without their permission or the permission of uh, the record labels and the rights holders. And this was going to be totally okay because they would be sharing some of the profits with the artist somehow, eventually. How, what did you think was going to fucking happen? It,
1: it, it's also important to note here... you got to ask for forgiveness rather than permission, Elliot. Yeah. It's a big, uh, you know... I'm sure they read that in a book somewhere.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. That's, all the best founders are doing that shit. Yeah. Uh, it's also important to note here that owning a hit piece NFT literally means just owning a receipt.
1: Like most NFTs. Which is true of
0: all NFTs, but it, it's especially funny... Because these are songs. There's no audio component to any of this. It's essentially just a trading card with just the name of a song and maybe some album art. So
1: pretty much just useless and pointless. Just bragging rights. Um, Well, that's maybe how they get away with it is because they're not actually selling anything. Mm. But it still
0: seems illegal. Seems like something a judge would look at and be like... No, you can't do that. It would, why, it would, why did you it think would you could do that? It would
1: seem as though the uh, actual rights holders, being the record labels, be very upset about this. Yeah, because they're guaranteed cooking up some NFT bullshit behind the scenes already too. Oh yeah, so they and don't the want guy, to dilute the market. So the guy
0: behind Hit Piece is like a former A uh, and R guy for Sony. Perfect. Perfect. And so like, yeah, that's what's especially sketchy about this. Is like this guy he has a long career
1: already of like exploiting artists mm-hmm. and. Uh, I guess he's just found the next step. They're, they're, the interesting one that I've seen to watch based on how much it goes for and the actual real life utility because they have the power to do so and if and when it actually gets shut down, I don't know, 20 years in the, in the future, it'll take a long time to see if it actually ever continues to be worthwhile. But Coachella is selling Coachella keys. But they're only selling tel- 10 of them. And if you get, they're going to be a very, the, each one has a different perk But the base perk for all of them is that you get two tickets to Coachella every single year if you are in possession of the NFT.
0: Yeah, it's... I mean, that one actually has some functional use. The problem Uh, is is the
1: cost is going to be exponentially more than actually just buying yourself VIP tickets every year for you and a guest. Like... uh, So, if you were going to go... What is it? It's $900, $800 for a VIP ticket. I know, it's outrageous. But, like, let's say $2,000 a year. And you know what, maybe 20 years you're going to go or something like that. It's like $40,000, whatever. My math might be wrong. Yeah. Someone is going to pay like $100,000 for this thing. Yeah. That's for the bragging rights. That's for the status. They better print out a real fucking key that you can walk around the festival like you're the prince the prince of the
0: festival. Yeah, a crown.
1: Yeah. I'm a big fucking idiot. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, look at that idiot. They got me. (laughs) <laughs> There's a new mark born hey, every minute, and I was I was the mark. Beat that guy up and take his phone, thus taking possession of his NFT, and get on his phone and send it to your wallet.
0: Yeah, and I, I love the idea of someone buying that and then just falling for one of those Discord scams,
1: like accidentally revealing their MetaMask QR code and just like, oh, well, I can't go to Coachella anymore. <laughs> Whoever buys this could have easily probably gotten free tickets to Coachella anyway. So it is literally yeah. just a status symbol. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, at least that one has a fucking
0: utility. But speaking of artists getting screwed over in the NFT world, uh, Bored Apes NFTs might be absolutely hideous, despite their absurd price tag. But we unfortunately do have to sympathize a little bit with the artist who actually designed most of the uh, graphic elements in Bored
1: Apes NFTs because she kind of got screwed over. Not just kind of, like absolutely did. uh, So here's Rolling Stone. Her creativity helped fuel a technological revolution she knew almost nothing about. Although the Bored Ape Yacht Club, now arguably the world's biggest NFT project, first appeared online in May and quickly started selling for millions, the woman who drew its primary characters had no idea that the collection was a hit until she googled the name months later. These cartoonish primates have since generated more than a billion dollars and lassoed mainstreamers into the crypto scene. Yet Seneca, the 27-year-old Asian-American artist who played an integral role in bringing their ideas to life, gets little credit. Watching NFT enthusiasts graffiti every corner of the internet with variations of her work has been bittersweet. Imagine casually walking into a museum only to stumble upon your own art hanging on the wall behind velvet ropes. When Seneca logged onto Twitter, where she's known as All Seeing Seneca, and saw that Steph Curry was using an avatar she birthed as his profile picture, her eyes bulged. It really took me some time to wrap my head around all this, she tells Rolling Stone over Zoom. She's sitting cross-legged on the floor of her living room in her Manhattan apartment in front of a small gray couch, under which she somewhat haphazardly stores a stack of pastel paintings. I still am, it's still quite surreal. So Seneca, for her part,
0: doesn't seem all that bitter that all she got out of designing the board Apes was compensation that she describes as definitely not ideal. I guess she can't, she can't reveal the exact amount, but it sounds like it was
1: not very much. Um, but it, they it, should have given her a royalty of like literally yeah. a fraction of a percent. And that way like she that, would have been set for life. That is like one of the
0: key pitches of, uh, NFTs. Is and, that the artist makes money yeah, on the sales. Uh, but, but not if you hire the artist as a contractor. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so this has apparently opened some doors for her and introduced yeah. her to NFTs. And now she is selling her own NFTs of her own artwork, which I love this. Her artwork is actually pretty damn good. It's very funny to me that even when clearly very talented artists are involved uh, in these Bored Ape-style NFT collections, the art comes out looking shitty because you can't polish a turd. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, despite Seneca embracing NFTs as an income stream in a profession that is generally severely underpaid, the consensus among artists still seems to be mostly negative towards NFTs. And the big reason is that
1: their artwork is just getting bought and sold as NFTs without their knowledge or permission. This happens uh, uh, Weekly. Like, All the time. Well, daily, but I'm seeing, I like, it, it, it rises to the level of, like, an article in something like Motherboard or whatever, yeah. uh, to the point where, every, like, once or twice a week, there's an artist who's like, uh, <laughs> excuse me. It got, like, DeviantArt
0: tried to do something about it, but it ended up working the opposite way because people were uploading people's art so fast and so heavily that DeviantArt was telling people. It's own users like, oh, you copied this NFT. Someone already made this. You are stealing art. Yeah. It's, uh... well,
1: it's like we explained with the Twitter verified NFT avatar thing where it's just like you can literally save any NFT, yeah. re-export it as its own NFT, and then it is an NFT that's verified. And that that is a, also a major problem with um, game companies uh, doing this thing where it's like, oh, well, the thing is, is like this sword that we can use in this game can also be used in other games. But that requires the trust of both companies and anyone who uploads it and being like, this is from this company versus it's, this company. This, that is never going to happen. Uh, I, I've read some really great like blog
0: posts by actual game developers where it's like, I don't even understand half the shit they're talking about. Yeah. It's all like developer talk, but they're just like explaining why the idea of uh, in-game assets crossing over between titles is probably not going to
1: happen. It's Say, like calling pe- it a logistical nightmare is yeah. a vast understatement. People
0: think people just assume like every game uses the same engine and the same physics and everything, and you can just take a gun from this game and put it in the other game, and it's like, no. No. Assets have to essentially be rebuilt
1: from the ground up, re-rigged, uh, all this shit. Also, <laughs> completely rebalanced. Yeah. Like it's, it's like getting like it's like when you watch Salty Bet. Yeah. It's like it's like uh, M Bison versus uh, like an anime waifu. or something.
0: Yeah. Versus Tweety Bird. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so the whole thing seems ridiculous because it is. It's and it's and that's why we get so fucking frustrated with yeah. it because we will do videos like this where it's just like look at least right now. And in the very near future, this is all very bad and dumb. Yeah, well, and we shouldn't go down this path because you're opening up avenues for game companies to exploit you. Even though they're telling you that web3 is all about you taking control of your assets or whatever, you really think that they're going to not fucking exploit this? But you get fucking astroturfed in the comments and everywhere else and you feel like a fucking idiot and I'm tired of it. <laughs>
0: Anyway, it's hard to know how big this whole art theft problem is in the NFT space, but some recent news about NFT marketplace OpenSea gives some insight into it, and it seems like it's a big fucking problem. Uh, Here's Vice. As the NFT market has exploded, so has the amount of theft and fraud associated with it. Artists are by now familiar with the experience of finding, like in a horror movie, their own art staring back at them in OpenSea's digital gallery, being hawked by an anonymous stranger. Now, OpenSea has revealed just how much of its NFT activity on its platform is defined by fakery and theft. And it's a lot. In fact, according to the company, nearly all of the NFTs created for free on its platform are either spam or plagiarized.
1: (sighs) And that's, they're revealing this about themselves. Hey, look, I love the honesty. (laughs) Way to go. The article then explains that OpenSea announced limits on how many NFTs users could mint for free on its platform, which lets NFT creators bypass the high blockchain fees usually required when minting an NFT and passing the cost on to the eventual buyer. OpenSea's users were angered by this news, and OpenSea quickly reversed course, but also explained their reasoning behind the original decision. Every decision we make, we make with our creators in mind. We originally built our shared storefront contract to make it easy for creators to onboard into the space. However, we've recently seen misuse of this feature increase exponentially. Over 80% of the items created with this tool were plagiarized works, fake collections, and spam.
0: So basically, OpenSea tried to tamp down on some of the worst aspects of its marketplace, but then got yelled at enough by its own users, that they decided to just... I guess we'll continue allowing the overwhelming amount of plagiarism, fakes, and spam... Well, who do you think was our, yelling or, at him about it? The yeah. people that
1: are making money off of the scams! Yeah.
0: This is bullshit. I can't scam anymore. All right, fine. We'll, we'll let you keep keep scamming. We're sorry, sorry for uh, scaring the scammers there for a second. You are free to scam as much as you want. Uh, anyway, as the Vice article says... That's a very large figure, and one that is probably not surprising to artists whose work has been stolen en masse and minted into NFTs. That OpenSea would risk its reputation with such a sudden and impactful move also gives us some indirect insight into the scale of the fraud problem that free minting is causing for OpenSea itself. Quote, In addition to reversing the decision, we're working through a number of solutions to ensure we support our creators while deterring bad actors, OpenSea said on Twitter, adding that it will preview future decisions with users before implementing them. For now, though, it seems as if OpenSea is stuck between a rock and a hard place, those being the sea of outrage of every non-crypto person and the outrage of its own users.
1: They have a vested interest in being outraged at your decision to restrict their ability to make money off of rubes.
0: You don't understand. We need fraud. It's the backbone of our business. (laughs) So (laughs) You're taking food out of my baby's
1: mouth. (laughs) You don't understand. We'd have to shut down if we stopped fraud on our platform. Ugh. Anyways, who's hungry? Uh, We got some news coming up, but first it's time for a message from this week's sponsor. Uh, With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips down to the grocery store and just count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh delivers
0: pre-portioned ingredients to your door, including farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week, so you get convenience without skimping on quality. Skip the trip to the grocery store, saving you the wait in long lines and ensuring that you don't waste money on excess food. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including veggie, calorie-smart, family-friendly, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. Recipes like hibachi, sweet, soy, bavette, steak, and shrimp bring restaurant-quality meals
1: right to your kitchen, while their white cheddar wonder burgers make it easier than ever to skip the takeout. Some of our favorite HelloFresh recipes are the one-pot recipes that are exactly as the name implies. All the cooking is done in one pot, so it's fast and the cleanup is easy. On this week's menu, they've got one-pot spicy coconut curry stir-fry and one-pot Mexicali black bean soup, both of which clock in at under 30 minutes of prep time and look pretty damn tasty. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Newsday16 and use code NEWSDAY16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. Again, that is up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts by going to HelloFresh.com slash Newsday16 and using code NEWSDAY16. All right, now for the non-NFT. Wait, one more half thing. Of the,
0: <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> half of the show. Uh, there was a lot of articles, a lot of NFT stories I wanted to include, but it was like, this is... Yeah, if we if we if we only talked about NFTs,
1: we'd be here all day. Mm-hmm. And, we uh, have plenty plenty for next week. Got to save up all the NFT. i, I again, I'll say it because Elliot won't, but I'm going to stop apologizing soon too because this is all tech news is now. Yeah, and it's fascinating. It is. It is there. The whole tech world is trying to
0: pull a fucking grift on us, and people aren't people aren't biting. And it's very interesting.
1: Yes, it is funny to watch. It is very entertaining to watch.
0: Yeah. But now for the non-NFT half of the show, although uh, we're going to talk about another topic that gets people really riled up. Oh, we got on both the NFT sides.
1: and the Musk stands coming yeah. in the comments today.
0: Yeah, uh, so here's some news about Tesla that's honestly <laughs> kind of fucking baffling. So by now you, you are aware that what Tesla calls full self-driving is absolutely not what it sounds like. It's basically false advertising. It's really just an advanced driver assistance system like the kind found on lots of other cars from lots of other companies. The key difference, though, between FSD and all these other ADAS systems seems to be that Tesla is just a lot more bold about which features it puts into beta, as they call it, which is a fun term for it, because it means that every other driver on the road is also involved (laughs) in a beta test completely against their will. Mm -hmm. That's fun. Anyways, a certain full self-driving feature recently got pulled from Tesla cars in a new update, and it was a feature that seems absolutely insane
1: for a car company to intentionally enable in its vehicles. Here's the AP. Tesla is recalling nearly 54,000 cars and SUVs because their full self-driving software lets them roll through stop signs without coming to a complete halt. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Recall documents posted Tuesday by U.S. safety regulators say that Tesla will disable the feature with an over-the-internet software update. The rolling stop feature allows vehicles to go through intersections with all-way stop signs at up to 5.6 miles, or 9 kilometers per hour. The recall shows that Tesla programmed its vehicles to violate the law in most (laughs) states, where police will ticket drivers for disregarding stop signs. The Governor's Highway Safety Association, which represents state highway safety offices, said it is not aware of any state where a rolling stop is legal. Tesla agreed to recall after two meetings with officials from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, according to documents, and Tesla said in documents that it knows of no crashes or injuries caused by the feature. Um, so, recall is a bit heavy of yeah, a word. it's a patch. It's a patch. The, you, the, all the articles are like, you assume that these Tesla owners are going to have to like, take it in and have it, like... No, it's 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 an over-the-air patch. patch. But it's it's still hilarious to just be like, look, you gotta give them credit. They're making it more human. Yeah. Who hasn't, when all four parts of the four-way stop are completely empty in the middle of the night, just creeped right through? (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, just to be clear, I mean, despite not
0: coming to a complete stop at stop signs being an extremely common behavior among human drivers. It's definitely illegal, and it is grounds for an expensive traffic ticket if a cop happens to see you
1: doing it and feels like ticketing you. Yeah, it's the, like the same ticket as if you blasted right
0: through it. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, it's, it's for traffic cops, it's easy money. Like, yeah. they just post up, like, down the street from a, a stop sign that notoriously gets a lot of rolling stops, and their budget is uh, primed and pumped. Yeah. But yeah, and and this is not like a bug. Tesla didn't accidentally make it so that the cars don't come to a complete stop at stop signs like the law mandates. It says right here in this screenshot that by selecting the assertive profile (laughs) in a Tesla's full self-driving options, the car, quote, will have a smaller follow distance, perform more frequent speed lane changes, will not exit passing lanes, and may perform rolling stops. I mean, that's certainly assertive on
1: both the car's part and on Tesla's part. It has to be like, It has to be to save battery power or something. Like coming to a full stop and then fully getting up to speed again has to like. There's probably a bazillion lines of data. I think it's probably because like
0: Teslas, when they do the auto braking, it's very jerky, hmm. and drivers who are in like areas which have stop signs instead of lights probably don't like uh, just getting jerked forward. (laughs) My my coffee that
1: I was reading my paper while my car was driving. I was was eating my bowl of cereal (laughs) in my (laughs) self-driving Tesla. So, uh, yeah, Uh, again, we're all, just by virtue of being on public roads, part of Tesla's beta testing of features like this. And that goes for pedestrians, too. Imagine just using a crosswalk and getting run over by a fucking Model 3 and finding out that it's not a bug, it's a feature. (laughs) Insanity. And uh, what's even more insane is that drivers are paying $12,000 now for the privilege of beta testing this stuff. And additionally, there's been a surge of complaints over the past few months to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration from Tesla owners with full self-driving enabled who have experienced what's called phantom braking, which is basically when a Tesla slams its brakes for no reason. And it sounds fucking terrifying uh, seeing all these reports over the past couple of months. If there's a Tesla on the road, I will yeah, not you get steer right behind clear of that shit. Yeah, do not follow closely behind a Tesla on the road because yeah. it will just randomly slam on it's, its brakes. It's the equivalent of seeing like student driver on the yeah. back of the car because the car <laughs> like it thinks that someone's gonna merge or something.
0: Yeah, like oh better let this Sees guy... Sees a fucking seagull in this guy. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> stop. Stop the car now. Yeah. Uh, here's the Washington Post. These events are hair-raising for me and passengers, let alone for a driver behind me, one owner wrote in a report to the agency. If he slash she does not pay attention at that very moment, the result could even be disastrous. I would never have expected such a serious safety issue with a Tesla. Owners also say they experienced the phenomenon one or multiple times while on extended trips. Some said their road trip experiences were marred by the brakes suddenly triggering or the frequency jolts made by their cars. Quote, My wife has requested that I don't use cruise control or autopilot while she's in the car as we experienced an unwarranted aggressive automatic braking episode which caused great pressure against her pregnant belly on a previous road trip, one owner said in a report. Owner's comments reflected apparent exasperation with the recurrence of the problem and a seeming inability to get it fixed. These things are happening with nothing present in front of my vehicle and sometimes with nothing around me at all, one wrote. And the article ends with the, this whopper where a driver recalls an instance when his wife was driving at highway speeds of 55 to 60 miles per hour and it slammed on the brakes hard, sending our children's booster seats slamming into the front seats. Thankfully, he said the children weren't in the car. Jesus. And it's like, how, like, you know, the number of reports is pretty small. But these are people who were so fucking terrified by what happened to them that they
1: looked up how to file a formal report with the National Highway Traffic Safety Bureau. Yeah. There was one yesterday on Reddit where it was like, because they they record everything, so there was a person posted their phantom braking experience. There's a guy behind him, and he drives by, and all the the cameras are in the car. The guy's just, like, flicking them off the
0: entire time. Yeah. No, it's, it's infuriating. Yeah.
1: Um, but Elon, for his part, seems to be regarding all of this as just more fake news from the mainstream media to hurt Tesla's stock price or some shit. He's very upset that Joe Biden won't say the name Tesla. It's funny. He It is
0: driving him fucking insane. I love it. I hope Joe Biden never acknowledges Tesla. He just... Because he, Biden, he's like, he's like, like, he's like, he like he we're goes, getting a lot of great work from uh, American companies like Ford, like... GM, yeah. all,
1: all, all going uh, headfirst into the electric yeah, car. Like, and, what
0: about... He won't say Tesla. Why would he say
1: Tesla? It, it's funny because it seems as though he's really doing it on purpose. Yeah. Cause he names like every, how much every other car company is doing. And like, regardless of if you want to give him a praise or not, like Tesla did usher in a, a, a pretty, you know, big generation yeah, of electric cars, sure. but uh, it is, it's just so funny that it's, he just won't say the word Tesla. Yeah. He just wants the president to say Tesla. Yeah. And he won't. Did you see the picture of, uh, Elon, Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan standing in front of the Cybertruck? Yeah. And the Cybertruck's fucking filthy. And it's, it, lo- it looks like it's the display
0: model. Like, it's always looked like mil- a military, military No, but it, it looks, it's like dirty. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with it, but it, it's uh, also, it's just hideous to begin with. But yeah. Um, yeah, just a real, real brain force. I can't imagine. I would love to be a fly on the wall during uh, those, <laughs> those lunches. Yeah.
1: Anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, let's move on now to uh, another problem that Elon Musk has famously downplayed. COVID-19. The massive winter surge in cases seems to be continuing to decline, which is great but cases are still higher than they were even before December 2021. But good news, Omicron-specific booster shots are on their way. Moderna and Pfizer slash BioNTech are currently conducting trials of their new boosters, and they're expected to become available around March. But it's important to, again, note that even though the Omicron variant is really good at causing breakthrough infections in people who are already triple-vaxxed, those vaccinations are overwhelmingly make it so that, making it so the infection of Omicron is maybe being sick for a few days but almost never a serious health crisis uh in other words the existing vaccines they work pretty damn well just not hundred percent they're not dialed in specifically for this variant but they do a good job of uh toning down the effects yeah um and no one ever said they were going to be hundred yeah. percent i this is the no thing. one
0: knew this variant was coming this is a thing this is like a weird like memory hole thing where conservatives are now being like oh and they said these vaccines would work hundred percent it's like no, what do you like? Every fucking week, when the vaccines were like in development, they're like, okay, Johnson and Johnson has this effectiveness rate. Yeah, like, Pfizer has eighty-five percent. Yeah, it effect, was
1: efficacy. It's and, not something anyone was
0: trying to hide. It was it was a whole topic of conversation. Remember when like when one of your friends would get Johnson and Johnson, you're like, all right, well he's not invited to the party. He's got the J and J. It's only yeah. got the seventy-nine percent efficacy. Meanwhile, I got the Pfizer. I'm good to go. Yeah. Hot vac summer for me. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it, it is hilarious. You see this all the time now. They're like, oh, they lied about the vaccines being 100% effective. No, they didn't. You're making that shit up. But anyway, at this point, the level of vaccine skepticism among the population means there will never be enough people vaccinated to approach anything resembling true herd immunity. So by the time these Omicron boosters are out there, there is probably going to be another new variant taking over. Uh, whether it's more or less dangerous is anyone's guess. But the uh, best level of protection is probably going to involve new boosters every few months for a while. And uh, I'm fine with that. Fine. I want to go to concerts. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, 30% or so of the U.S. population who won't vaccinate under any circumstances, despite nearly 900,000 deaths at this point, remain very open-minded when it comes to alternative solutions. And this week, Reuters told those people exactly what they wanted to hear when they published an article with a headline saying that Japanese pharma company Koa found that ivermectin is
1: effective against Omicron. Oh, my gosh. Ha! Take that, libs. Damn. Look at that. Who feels stupid now? (laughs) The problem here isn't that the headline was incorrect. It kind of technically wasn't, but it was irresponsible given the amount of controversy around ivermectin and also the actual study the article references didn't actually reveal anything scientists didn't already know. The whole hype around ivermectin started because it had an antiviral effect against SARS-CoV-2 in a test tube environment and this new study simply confirms that the same is true with the latest variant. But there's still been no convincing evidence that ivermectin has any consistent effect against COVID in actual human bodies, which are, of course, a lot more complex than test tubes. This has always been the scientific outlook on ivermectin, and nothing has changed. But of course, this Reuters article got all of the usual suspects fired up, including Joe Rogan, who quote tweeted a post about it with, well, looky here speaking of Joe Rogan and the current
0: controversy around him getting paid a hundred million dollars by Spotify to just recklessly spread all sorts of code misinformation uh, more and more artists continue to pull their music from the service it's, it's every day there's more and it's kind of surprising yeah uh, though it's, it's most of them are like I can pull my music from yeah. the service yeah I, it's still like probably not enough to really influence Spotify to do anything about this but another Spotify exclusive podcast has taken, a slightly different approach. Instead of asking to part ways with Spotify, the award-winning podcast Science Versus, which focuses on examining and debunking scientific claims, announced that moving forward, they would be devoting their show entirely to tackling misinformation found on Spotify <laughs> itself, which is really just a thinly veiled way of saying that their show will now be basically the Joe Rogan fact check hour. And this is an exclusive show that <laughs> yeah. Spotify owns? Yep. Great. So right there under recommended
1: podcast, the Joe Rogan experience, and then... A podcast debunking the Joe Rogan experience. Fantastic. Science versus host Wendy Zuckerman released a statement uh, which says in part. As Science V's will show in an upcoming episode, during Rogan's interview with Dr. Robert Malone, information about the vaccines is repeatedly taken out of context. There's plenty of scientific evidence that contradicts some of the claims in the interview, but it's nowhere to be found in the episode. Rogan's show leaves the audience with a skewed and inaccurate view of the COVID-19 vaccines, and Spotify has done little to address this. Until Spotify implements stronger methods to prevent the spread of misinformation on the platform, we will no longer be making new Science V's episode science versus episodes uh, except those intended to counteract misinformation being spread on Spotify and that's great um, Spotify is a very convenient platform i have been trying all week to use apple music and try as i might it sucks yeah <laughs> it fucking sucks
0: yeah uh, i it's this whole thing it's yeah it's made me think about how i listen to my music for the first time and in not that 10 apple 10 music's years. ethical
1: or anything yeah they're all
0: like that's the whole thing like the entire the entire concept of streaming music is like a flawed concept.
1: Well, and, we also uh, started, <laughs> it's actually, you know, comforting in the minds of an entire generation because an entire generation started at a base level of stealing everything. Yeah. Giving no money. The to evolution
0: at all. of it was, uh, yeah, we had stealing and then like Apple responded. Apple was like, oh, I'll you're, bu- ti- oh, you you're buy tired songs? of paying $20 for a fucking physical CD? Well, now albums are $10 a pop and you get the highest quality you could possibly Mm -hmm. want. It's all legal. Everyone gets paid. It's good. And it's like, okay, well, once that became affordable to most people, it's like, yeah, I'll just do that instead of like hanging on torrent sites and downloading viruses. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it's it's funny. I look back to like when I was in college, I had like fucking like 100 gigs of music. Like I was... I was buying shit or buying. I was downloading shit I never even listened to. And like, I don't even know where those files are now. They're probably on some old hard drive that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. It's just so funny how like, over the years just like gradually just got pigeonholed into using spotify and now it's like well what if i don't want to use this I'm like what do i do
1: <laughs> you export your know. files to something else or you, or you buy it on vinyl yeah i mean yeah it's a nice way to support artists uh and then you uh get a converter to a uh, dac send, <laughs> to, send, to convert it to FLAC files yeah so you can listen to it on your uh, what's his what's his thing called again The Pono Player. The Pono Player. Neil Young's Pono Player. Live Pono, bro. Um, Oh, yeah. Apple uh, is lossless, though. So, that, like, yeah. If that matters to you, which it probably shouldn't, because most of you are listening to it on skull candy headphones. Yeah. uh, It it is lossless. But, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: One last thing. Uh, Facebook, for the first time ever. No user growth. Yeah, daily Uh-oh. active users are down. Uh-oh. And Maybe. Uh, could this have anything to do with the fact that they are pushing the concept of the metaverse just so heavily? Similar to NFTs, it's just like, hey, this new thing that you absolutely don't think you need, turns out you do. You better get in on this metaverse thing as quick as possible. This is uh, The future is in the metaverse. You're going to want the metaverse. Join the metaverse. Yeah. Could that have any correlation with the fact that Facebook... Uh, Dot com and uh, Instagram no longer are really growing in users, and therefore their stock is uh, not going to be able to uh, just keep going.
1: Oh, uh, that up, and uh, go up as much anymore. That and the fact that they uh, their targeted ad sales are way down because hmm. uh, more people are concerned with their privacy, and uh, companies like Apple are making it a lot easier for you to block Facebook from tracking you across everything you do on your phone. Hmm. Um. That also has a big deal to do with it, but uh, yeah, they're, they're stuck. Boo! And along with that's it, a shame. The S and P. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's it for this week's episode of Tech News Day. Please stay tuned. Uh, for News Dump, which should be coming out in the next day or two. We've got a little couple whoopsie Goldbergs to talk about. Whoopsie Goldberg. <laughs> and, uh, Did I do that? <laughs> and if you haven't seen it already, Sony bought Bungie for like $3 billion. Check that out and this week's new episode of Weekly Weird News and we'll see you soon. Whoopsie Goldberg! Bye-bye.